Welcome to Checking Out the Competition, Winnipeg Jets edition. I am joined by Marat Atash from TheAthletic.com. Marat, how are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Marat covers the Jets for The Athletic, but it's my understanding that he is actually an Oilers fan. Is that right? I grew up that way, yeah. I was in Alberta um, as a really small kid, and my parents mm. were discovering hockey for the first time in the 80s, and, well, there was a very good team there, so yeah. I then stayed loyal throughout all of the years of darkness, uh, even though I don't really catch their games too much anymore these days. Yeah. If you were still a hardcore Oilers fan, I would somehow find a way to give you a hug, because, I don't know, <laughs> it's problematic up there, but... Enough about the Oilers and their tire fire. Let's get into the Flyers and the Jets. Um, so one of the things that I noticed when I was looking into, because I admittedly watch like no Western Conference hockey until we get into the playoffs, which is terrible of me, but I like to go to bed early, so <laughs> I never watch them. Um, so looking into how the Jets have been doing a little bit, it looks like over the course of the season you've been getting some really good play from some of your younger guys. And the one that I want to talk about first is your goaltender, whose name I'm probably going to butcher, Laurent Brassard? Yeah. Brassoy? Brassard? Yeah. We got All right. If you want to go full French with that, it's, it would be Laurent Brassard, but uh, turns out he grew up in Vancouver, didn't speak French, and he goes with Laurent. Laurent. Or Laurent. Okay. Laurent. So it's sort of how I hear it the most often, so you're doing all right there. All right. Um, so he's been pretty good, huh? He's been on fire, and it's been really incredible. When the Jets signed him in the offseason, I did the quick look, and you know, we mentioned my Euler connection. So as a fan, I'd watched a lot of Oilers over the years, and he'd played there. So I, I'd seen a lot of chaos. The numbers were unflattering. His career save percentage in, in no league was dominant. Yeah. But it was always kind of, there were some hot streaks there. Um, and uh, speaking with Kat Silverman, who uh, I turned to her for goaltender expertise when at the Athletic, mm -hmm. uh, she she was telling me that um, she could think of some extenuating circumstances there, and um, his e efficacy of movement was there, and she saw some things that she liked. So maybe she's the one who saw it coming. I didn't. Um, and then from a math point of view, even though he's absolutely killing it, I don't see there being a goaltender controversy mm -hmm. because. In a goaltender's life, 12 games is nothing. True. And um, the fact that he's been excellent and looks great and has done all of the right things and the, and the team clearly loves him, I'm not ready to, to give him the $4 million contract or anything like that quite yet. Yeah, that's probably for the best. And it's not like Hellybuck is bad, so he's not yeah. bad. Yeah, so it's I guess having two good goaltenders is a good problem to have. Um, I wouldn't know anything about that personally <laughs> yeah in Winnipeg I guess yeah there's excellence to spare how's uh, how's things going in Philadelphia right now on that front um so we have a lot of goaltenders on the roster at the moment um one of them is playing very well Carter Hart he's he's been pretty been pretty good for a 20 year old um apparently though they sent him down over the weekend um back to the AHL I'm assuming it was just to get some games in over this little break um but one of our other rookie goaltenders, Anthony Stolarz, is back from injury. So it'll be interesting to see which two goaltenders are actually on the team come Tuesday? Monday? When do we play? Monday. Monday. Monday, yeah. Come Monday, it'll be interesting to see which two goaltenders you're going to get. I'm assuming Carter Hart's going to come back up. 
Um, unless for some reason the front office has decided that the tank is on, then they might just leave him in the AHL. But I would be surprised if it wasn't Carter Hart. So that'll be interesting. Um, another one of the young guys on your team that seems to be taking advantage of one of the injuries that you guys have had to one of your top guys, um, Ellers, is Kyle Connor. He's been playing very well on your top line. Um, do you think that there's going to be, like, do you think he'll stick on that top line when Ellers comes back from injury, or do you think he's going to go back down and this was just, like, a good experiment that worked out for the time? Um, it's funny. I'm going to, I'm going to go a couple different ways on this. I'm going to say that he probably sticks on the top line, but I'll give you some context there. Um, Kyle Connors actually probably spent, uh, not probably, he has spent more time with Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley over the last two years than Nick Ehlers has. Um, and it was actually an injury at the beginning of last season to Matthew Perot when Kyle Connor was still in the AHL. And there was this big controversy in Winnipeg. Is Kyle Connor ready for the AHL, or sorry, NHL? Um, he, he was really highly touted at that time. The offense was there. Everybody kind of knew, but was he ready for the NHL? And then his ability to play with Shifley and Wheeler last season is kind of what gave Winnipeg the forward depth because mm. it pushed other veterans down the, the lineup. And it was a huge thing for the Jets. And then the funny thing is, this season he hasn't been nearly as good there. And Nick Ehlers has killed it. That line possession metrics, expected goals metrics, and actual goals has been a lot better with Nick Ehlers on that line than Kyle Connor. Okay. So, do I expect Connor to keep that job? I do, because I think the team likes it that way. But I also think that they'd be better served to find another spot for him because Ehlers has been so good there. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I guess... Yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, do you want to spread it out or do you want to concentrate a lot of the talent on the top line? That's like always a hard question, I think, for teams to answer. Because, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, it's I th it's been in the news ever since the your, your cross, uh, your rivals um, had to deal with the Crosby and Malkin question. Right? Uh, yeah. I think that's a major source of study. And I'm, I believe when they're that good to spread them out, I also think that the Jets are uniquely lucky in that most of their 12 forwards that they can run are of, of really good quality relative to that spot in the lineup. Yeah. It's tough to, to draw a Jets lineup without one of Kyle Connor or Nick Ehlers or um, even Patrick Liney maybe further down the lineup than, than is ideal because there's just that many of them who can play. What a terrible problem. What a terrible problem to have. <laughs> Imagine being able to roll four lines that are just so good that Patrick Liney is on the third line or something crazy like that. Like, that's sounds really nice. <laughs> there are some of his fans who think he doesn't play enough at even strength, so that's that's definitely um, depending on how you go on Patrick Liney this season because he's been so good and has struggled, at, like, at different times. Um, yeah. I want to talk about Liney later, so I'm going to cut you off rudely. <laughs> um yeah. And just to stick with the top line a little bit, that top line is super good. Two all-stars on that line. Um, if you were coaching the Flyers, how would you advise them to contain that much talent? Uh, <laughs> I guess it's, it's easier said than done, I would say, um, of course. The, the one situation where the Jets have gotten into trouble with that top line um, offensively has been if they... Um, there have been moments where they, they really try to play to the outside a lot. There have been some games where they've made just some phenomenal outside-in plays, creating space in the slot by starting on the outside. And um, all three of those players, especially with Kyle Connor, are quick 
at cycling along the wall, but also then quick cuts into the slot into sort of soft ice. And if you can keep them on the outside, you can sometimes shut them out at, at five on five. I don't think that they're going it, to, it's not a matter of just hit them a lot. They're, they can handle that. It's not a matter of play good players against them. They can handle that. But I think um, just taking away space and keeping them to the outside, and that's a cliche, but it's also true. That's the, the one spot where they've been able, teams have been able to shut them out for, for, for periods of games. Okay. So hopefully the Flyers are listening to this and they do that. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, so you mentioned the Flyers' rivalry with the Penguins. And one of the things I was wondering about is, given that for the last couple of years, and it looks like, I mean, I can't imagine it's going to change over the next couple of years, um, Winnipeg and Nashville are kind of 1-2 in the Western Conference always. They're obviously the two most, I think, talented teams in the Western Conference, and I assume that for the next few years they're going to be battling for number one in the conference all the time. Um, has this created, like, a, a rivalry amongst the fan bases, or is this just kind of a thing like, oh, okay, that's the other good team, we don't really care, or do you guys, like, actively hate the Nashville Predators? Um, I'm kind of thinking, like, the different sources where I would have, like, where I would have a really good window into that rivalry. And I think of Twitter, and I, I just imagine that the the accounts and the people that I follow from Nashville are so have been so brilliant and so <laughs> like insightful and things like this that um, that I, I don't I haven't seen it there though okay. I don't get into the back and forth that fans would do. Um, and then in the in the room, I think there's just a lot of respect amongst the Jets for the Predators. Yeah. I heard just the other day Mark Scheifele was talking about. He wants to play with Roman Yossi at the All-Star game because of how much he admires him and mm -hmm. how he skates and things like this. Um, so on the ice, believe me, like there, there were fights in the playoffs. There are these hilarious moments where Dustin Bufflin is grabbing two different guys, one in each hand, and, and sort of ragdolling them. And like um, there were there was some tension between Tyler Myers and PK Subban at one point. Like it, it, it is real. They're they're two very competitive teams. They're two very good ones, and. Their stars are very fiery personalities, mm. I would say, in both yeah. cases. So I think what you're saying is true, that it's going to just continue to build as they stay good, because both teams are set to stay good. Yeah. I think that'll be it'll be fun to watch. I kind of like... I feel like with this new playoff format, we don't get as many good, like, old-timey rivalries as we used to, um, just because for a while there, it would seem like, you know, the Flyers would play the Rangers, every year in the playoffs. The Flyers play the Penguins every year in the playoffs, and that kind of, I think, really builds up those rivalries. You don't really get them in the regular season, I think. So it'll be super fun if those two teams are continuing to battle in the Western Conference for a long time. I think they'll be fun to watch because they are both insanely good. And they're both insanely good, like, in different ways. Like, I feel like you guys are, are good up front, and they're better on the back end, and it just makes things interesting, I think. For sure, yeah. yeah. What you said about the playoff format thing too, I, I want to echo. Like, I, I'm I would ideally like for that series to be the Western Conference Finals. Yes. But the fringe benefit of it being structured the way that it is is there's a higher odds that we're going to get it, and it's good quality hockey, and and those rivalries build up. So I, I see the fringe benefit, even though I think that that should it should just skip the rest of the playoffs and go straight to the Western Conference Final with those two teams. Sometimes I feel that way. Serious. I mean, it's it's just kind of a bummer, like. If it's Nashville, Winnipeg in the second round, and then one of those teams has to go out, and it's just like, it would have been more fun if they got to the top of it and then had to play, but what can you do? So speaking of the playoffs, 
I was looking over your work on theathletic.com, and I noticed that you recently had a conversation with Justin Bourne, who's also of The Athletic, um, that I'm sure a lot of people know. He's pretty well known. Um, but it was a really good back and forth, and I learned a lot of really interesting stuff. And one of the things that you asked Justin was if he thought that the number of minutes that a lot of your top guys get during the regular season is going to impact their play in the playoffs. Um seemed like Justin didn't think that would be an issue as an ex-player. Um, but what do you think? Do you worry at all that it's going to kind of hamper their performance in the playoffs if they're a bit tired heading in? I, I do have that concern. For sure I do. So right now, uh, Mark Shifley, I believe, is... Shifley and Wheeler are third and tenth, and I hope I got the order right. But in terms of forward ice time per game, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is that they both play power play first unit. They both mm-hmm. play on the top line at, uh, at even strength, and both of them like they play together on the PK as well. And those PK minutes have definitely added to to those guys' workload this season. Yeah. Um, the Jets ha- had to get rid of for cap reasons Joel Armia and. and um, they lost Matt Hendricks, which is probably a net gain for the team, but he killed penalties as well. So now these guys are doing a little bit more than they used to, um, while still carrying the load on the power play and that even strength. And I see, um, I'm going to bring up Drew Doughty actually in LA. So I used to watch a lot of Los Angeles Kings games for mm-hmm. a time, and I've never seen a bigger difference in how much hustle there is in a guy when the team's leading and when they're trailing. So I used to watch these Kings games and Drew Doughty, had just like this consummate sense of when to coast when the Kings were up by a couple mm. of goals. And then if they were ever down by one, um, he would just start taking over the game. And he, he had the ability to do that. And I think Shifley and Wheeler, I started to notice with them, there have been moments of a little bit of coast and a little bit of turning it on at the right times. And that's fine. I think it works. The, the Jets are clearly like, they're third in the NHL. The last time I checked, they're, they're a good team. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about the forward depth earlier, and I think that's a concern because the team genuinely has 12 guys you can count on. So if any team needs to lean on these top guys as good as they are, it, it shouldn't be Winnipeg to mm-hmm. my way of thinking. And um, I think that an advantage for the playoffs would be if you could ratchet their minutes back a little bit. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. Um, speaking of your top guys, so you say that you don't really dive into Twitter nonsense, um, and I unfortunately live my life diving into Twitter nonsense, and one of the things that I've kind of, like, seen peripherally over the course of this season is Jets fans complaining a bit about Patrick Laine, and you mentioned that he struggled a bit over the course of this season, um, do you get any sense as someone who covers the team that there's, like, some discontent amongst fans with how Patrick Laine has been playing this season? I do see that bubble over, for sure. And it it sort of blows my mind a little bit that we're talking about a guy who's sitting on 25 goals so far this season. Uh, He's 20 years old. Since he's come into the league, he's scored the second most goals in the NHL behind Alexander Ovechkin. Um, And the thing that he's very unbelievably good at is the the thing that wins hockey games. so, uh, I, I've seen the consternation too, though. If uh, if he doesn't back check, the fans get on him in a way that, mm. or at least on Twitter, they do in a way that I don't see for other players. And I've seen Kyle Connor make the same back check as him. I've seen the same defensive zone positioning from occasionally even a Blake Wheeler, who's a veteran and, and really a smart guy. But 
I think the perception amongst the Line A haters is that he's a one-trick pony, can only shoot, and hurts the team when he's not scoring. Hmm. Um, I don't see it that way myself. I see um, what you'll see actually on Monday is that he plays right now with Brian Little and Jack Roslevic, and not one of those players is, is what I would call a play driver or a real possession force. And what happens when a 20-year-old Line A is playing with another young player in Roslevic and a guy who can push the river with other really strong players like Brian Little but can't do it by himself, uh, they get caught in their own zone a, a fair bit. Mm-hmm. And in the offensive zone, they don't do a lot of the little things that just um, those extra plays along the walls or at the blue line that'll keep keep them in the offensive zone a little bit longer. So all of a sudden, you've got perhaps the best shot, perhaps the second best shot in the NHL, not really getting as many shooting opportunities as ideally he would. Um, And I think that where he's at with his game, just one more veteran presence in terms of either whether it's Blake Wheeler on that line, Matthew Perot uh, doesn't have the offensive skills, but he's so good at extending zone time, and they've had success there before as well. Um, So there's something going on. Like Winnipeg has the horses, but that particular line just doesn't spend enough time in the good ends of the ice. And I think when you combine that with line A not having scored recently so much, Mm -hmm. that's when the the complaints come in. I think a lot of times as fans, we have a tendency to, especially with these young kids, when you know how good they can be, if for even a second they drop off a bit, like we do it with Nolan Patrick in Philadelphia. Like he struggled to start this season and there were people saying that we should trade him. Like we, we just drafted this kid. He's 20 years old. Maybe everyone should just calm down a little bit. And with Patrick Liney, like you said, he's arguably one of the best shooters in the game. And it's like, why? Like, okay, so he's not scoring a lot, but maybe settle down. He's 20 years old. It'll be fine. Um, I think that's something as hockey fans we need to work on a little bit. We get too worked up about the kids. Gotta calm down <laughs> some. So one of the things that I was wondering about, um, just because we're heading into the deadline and everyone's talking about trades, if you think that this team is going to make any adjustments to make a playoff run a bit easier for them? Or do you think they're setting their lineup? Um, I, I think Winnipeg's in kind of a good position in that they probably believe in, in their roster, but also um, they, they've set themselves up such that they would have a little bit of cap space to, to work with at the deadline, uh, a few million worth anyhow. Um, and this is probably the last year that we're going to see that in Winnipeg for mm-hmm. a long time. Um, Patrick Lyon is going to get paid. Kyle Connor is going to get paid. Blake Wheeler signed an extension that kicks in this summer for next year. Um, these same exact Jets are going to be way more expensive next year than they were than they are right now. And um, Kevin Shevoldayoff last year, they, he recognized that same situation was happening and went out and it acquired Paul Stasny. Um, who a lot of us didn't really see on the radar necessarily at that time. And I think, from what I've observed this year, it's the same vibe in Winnipeg. They mm-hmm. know this is a special year, um, not just because of the talent they have, but because of the cap situation. They've done a couple of nice things. It helps when your farm team is in the same city, in the same building, yeah. where there have been times where they've carried 22 guys instead of 23. Saves a couple of bucks here or there. Um, and I, I believe that if there's a fit there, they're going to go hard uh, and I think that their biggest needs are somebody who can control possession on that second line, or probably even bigger, is a left-handed defenseman for their top four. Um, and uh, I, that's, a, that's a point of contention in Winnipeg. A lot of folks think that Ben Chirot, who you'll see on the second pairing, 
uh, is he's arrived, he's ready to take on that role. I see a guy who's been carried uh, largely by Dustin Bufflin, mm. and I think that that's a spot that the Jets could stand to, to work on. So probably like a couple of rental players just to, to push for the cup this year, pretty much. I think so. Yeah. I think that that would be what, yeah. And like with Stastny last summer, they tried to sign him but couldn't find the money. Yeah. If the if the Jets acquired a rental and, and he fit really well, I could see them trying to re-sign him. But I, they'd have to do some major roster surgery to, to find money. Mm-hmm. The one ideal fit, I think, on that front is Jake Muzzin out of L.A. Okay. Because he's uh, he signed this year and next for, for four mil. And that's an affordable contract for a top four guy. If you were able to acquire a guy like that and he fit, keeping him around for that extra year, that's the sort of player that I think that they'd should be willing to to trim other money for um because for playing for a top four guy isn't a lot he'd be the well yeah he'd, he'd be fairly middle of the road in terms of his salary yeah that's a, a pretty good deal for a top four defenseman and on any team and you might i feel like la is a good team to try to pry players away from this year because they're so terrible um i'm assuming they're going to start entering some kind of rebuild phase so you could probably pry some guys away for futures i would think so yeah, depends on what they want to keep or what the situation is over there, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I ask everybody, because I think it's fun, is to give me an under-the-radar player that Flyers fans probably don't know about but who you think might make an impact in the game. Uh, definitely going to go with Josh Morrissey on that. Okay. Um, he's on Winnipeg's top fair. He's, he's the number one left defenseman in Winnipeg. And for that reason, I feel like folks should know him. But when I talk to folks in other NHL circles, I think he's flown under the radar so far. Mm-hmm. He doesn't post m- massive offensive numbers. But um, some things to look for in terms of him uh, is just the degree to which he and Jacob Truba communicate in the defensive zone. So the Jets play a man-to-man, mostly, in the, in the defensive zone. And one of the challenges with that is when it's time to switch coverage, if uh, if there's an overlap in the players that the two defensemen are covering or um, the puck switches sides in the in the defensive zone. Then they have to make the read on, do you stay with your guy? Did you move to the other guy? Um, the communication between Morrissey and Truba on that is so smooth. It's so effortless. It's better than you'd see between Bufflin and anybody else. There's it's so hard to make Morrissey and Trubo miss in a man-on-man situation in terms mm-hmm. of their defensive coverage. And then elsewhere on the ice, Morrissey is a smooth skater. He's a good passer. Uh, with Bufflin's injury, he's been playing on the top power play as well. There's the thought that because of how smart he is, that that he can start to put up those offensive numbers in, on the power play as well. Um, but if there's one guy that you don't spend a lot of time talking about that you just kind of want to appreciate somebody who's got all the can do it kind of every way that there is I would say Josh Morrissey's that guy nice I like that answer I hardly ever get hardly anyone gives me a defenseman for that question I usually get like a fourth line guy or something like that but it'll be interesting I like watching defensemen and a lot of times when they're doing really well you don't notice them so it'll be cool to kind of keep an eye on him and see what's going on back there um, out of curiosity, are there any flyers that you look forward to seeing when our teams play each other? Um, I'm curious about Nolan Patrick and where he's at in his career so far. I mean, he played for the Wheat Kings, and mm-hmm. so he's sort of a little guy in a sense, if I've got that right, or he's from Brandon or whatever the tie-in is. Somehow I'm just blanking on it in the Yeah, he did. Those. He played for the Wheat Kings, yeah. 
<laughs> Sometimes you just say things and then you have to double check that like you remember the way that the truth. Anyway, yes. So we obviously paid for the weekends. So I'm I'm, I'm really curious to, to to follow up and see where he's at right now, just from a visual sense. Mm-hmm. I, I love watching Claude Giroux at any stage of his career. Yeah. Um, I've seen like he was supposed to be done so many times and just has continued to dominate at different stages. Um, who there. Are, I'm really interested in whatever happens in the goaltending. Like, I, I don't know what what black hole or Bermuda Triangle Philadelphia's goal. I, I, I can't understand that situation either. So I, I find Philadelphia to be a very interesting team. Yeah, that's one way to put it. The goaltending thing this season, it's like, it's been especially messy just because um, Ron Hextall over the summer should have known. We had two goaltenders that were injury prone particularly Michael Neuvert as the backup. Like, he is made of glass. He gets hurt constantly. And so they should have done something over the summer, I think, to kind of shore up the goaltending um, in the event that one of them gets hurt. And then both of them got hurt. And so then it was, like, scrambling to find random guys in the league that you could sign or bring up one of the kids from the AHL. It's, like, it's just been very messy <laughs> and very poorly handled, but I'm hoping that Carter Hart will be brought back up and you'll get to see him play because, um, as a 20 year old, he's very steady. Like he, he's not a flashy goaltender. Like you're not going to see him stack the pads and make really dramatic saves, but he's like super positionally sound and very calm. And for a while there, he was having some trouble with rebound control, but he seems to be getting better at that. Um, so it's just kind of cool to see his game kind of progress little by little as he's getting used to the NHL game and it's it's fun to watch so hopefully you get to watch it yeah i'd be keen on that one and i sorry to do this i gotta add another one too just because his name is on the trade bait circles but wayne simmons ah. i want to know if he will play and um a lot of the numbers say that he's not really generating at five on five like he mm-hmm. used to and buyer beware but i kind of want to see with my own eyes and i'm curious as what do you what you think on that too so i i definitely so simmons has been struggling um but he had a pretty major surgery last season to um, like some kind of core injury that he had to recover from. And so kind of the overwhelming thought at this point is that he's probably not been 100% over the course of the first half of the season. Um, I don't think he's cooked. I I don't want to sign him because he's going to get paid because he's earned it. Um, But I don't think he's cooked. I think that if a a team traded for him at the deadline, he would be an asset for a playoff push, for sure. I think he's still got it in him. He's just got to get a bit healthier, I think. And by the time we get to the playoffs, I think he will be. So, And he's excellent on the power play. He's got that, yeah, office. that- yeah, got that office in front of the net. You can't really move him. So it doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's the one spot the numbers have been saying that he's still kind of at that top, top yeah. flight thing, for sure, even this season. And uh, Nolan Patrick actually is starting to come on. Um, right before the Flyers went on their bye week, he was really starting to get his game together. Um, he's said in the past that he doesn't know why, but he's always been a slow starter. Um, he doesn't know why he can't get it going in the first half of the season, but it seems to be true. <laughs> so he's like kind of starting to come on now. He's, he got a, a game with a couple of goals um, right before we went on break. So I'm hoping that he's starting to find his game because when he's on, he's really fun to watch. So if you get good Nolan Patrick on Monday, it'll be it'll be a fun thing to watch. Yeah, on that front, just to uh, just to think out loud a bit, like I, I think of a guy 
like a Nathan McKinnon who supposedly had down seasons before mm. he absolutely exploded. And even in the season that he exploded, he had a down October uh, before he ran and started taking over the league. Or the Tyler Sagan trade from Peter Chiarelli, or the uh, Taylor Hall trade. Like I don't <laughs> think that you can cut bait on these top end guys at this stage of their career and win. I, I just I don't see that as an option. No, you. I mean, this kid was a consensus number one pick for years before he got to the draft, and the reason that he I think that he went number two is because of the injury history, and he's fixed that. So now he just needs to get into the rhythm get a bit stronger, get a bit better at the NHL game. And it's like, like you said, he's 20. Like, he's, he's going to be good. You just got to give it a little bit of time. I think that the thing with Flyers fans is that when we won the lottery, it came out of nowhere. Um, so getting that number two overall, I think people expected it to make a big impact instantly. Like, it would just move the timeline forward really dramatically. And it didn't do that because, you know, he's a kid, and he was hurt when we got him, and he had to recover from the surgery. And all that stuff. So, yeah, it's just tempered expectations, I think, are better with these things. And then you can be surprised when they go really well. Yeah. yeah. Like the day that Philadelphia's goaltending works out. Yeah. When Carter just takes it over for sure. Someday. Hopefully, hopefully soon. Um, at this point, no one's better than him in our organization. So it's kind of his team at this point. Um, okay, so... Give me a shot-in-the-dark prediction for how you think this game's going to end up. Give me a score, something. Yeah, um, it's going to be 4-2 for Winnipeg, mm. and the goals that the Jets score will be on the power play. Some Patrick Laine will score, and then there will be some complete garbage goals from its <laughs> fourth line, as opposed to the Stars at 5-on-5. Five five. Okay. Um seems like a fair prediction. I'm I'm actually interested to see how the Flyers come out because they were really starting to get it together before we went on break, which of course, like as soon as they start picking it up, they have a whole week off. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they come out ready to go or if they're dragging a bit because they've all been on some island, I think, for the last week, like drinking margaritas and laying on the beach. So I have to think that they're probably going to come out a bit slow, and I think coming out slow against a team as talented as Winnipeg is not going to work out well for them. So I'm actually going to say 3-2, and the third is an empty netter. How? They're so, going to get wild and pull the goaltender, tied at two. Whoa, <laughs> my mind is blown. I'm ready for this. I'm going to go down on Monday. I should be an NHL coach. I would do wild stuff all the time. Like, you're tied at two, you know, minute left. Get crazy. If you get possession, pull the goalie. See what happens. <laughs> it's the entertainment industry, right? So, yeah. I'm in. Yeah, give me something fun to watch. Okay. I think that's everything. I feel good about how this went. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. This was super fun. I really like talking to people from The Athletic. We try to do... SB Nation people as much as we can, but from time to time I get somebody from The Athletic like you, and I got Allison for the Columbus game, and she was amazing. Um, yeah, you guys do really good work over there. So if you don't subscribe to TheAthletic.com, you should do that, because it's, it's good stuff. And it's not very expensive, so don't complain about having to pay for good stuff. Anyway, thank you, Marat, for doing this. This was awesome. Um, yeah, so Monday night, 
Flyers, Jets. I believe that this game is at 7.30? 7? I should have looked at that before we started this. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, I'm still in weekend uh, all-star mode. So we'll yeah, right? <laughs> at some point this game will start and you will watch it. And it will be good. Let's go Flyers. <laughs> 